And there are those who think Elihu was no better than the Friends, and at best irrelevant, or at worst, counterproductive. I don't share that view. I've come to the view that I consider Elihu to be a generally positive contributor. Now, I would suggest that in a couple of senses. One is, the, the narrator or the compiler of the book of Job, who I assume was an inspired man, did not think Elihu needed to be answered. There is no response given. God rebukes Job, God rebukes the friends, God does not touch what Elihu said. I would think that if Elihu was completely wrong, somewhere along the line we'd find out, hey, this isn't the direction to go. So I think that is an indication in the text that we should see this as positive. I also think that there is a point behind having Elihu as a buffer between Job and God. You know, it would be better for God not to respond to Job immediately. Because Job has been demanding his audience with God. Well, Job does not force God's hand. God speaks when he chooses to. And so I think by having Elihu here, you can see that God was not forced into some quick reply. But I do think that he prepares the way for what God says. You know, God is going to rebuke Job in a certain way. But there are some things that this trial has brought to light about Job's faith that needs some response, and he needs to be humbled in some ways. And I think Elihu makes helpful points better than the friends. Now, I'm going to come back on the other side of that in a minute. But, but think about some of the good things that you see in Elihu's speeches. Elihu focuses on the pride that Job expressed during the calamity, not on the alleged sins that caused the calamity. Elihu is not saying, Job, you are suffering because you're a sinner. He's saying, Job, you're a sinner because you're suffering, and you're responding in the wrong way to that suffering. So the friends say Job is suffering because he sinned. Elihu is saying he sinned because he was suffering. And, and there's definitely, you can tell from God's speech, God was not pleased with everything Job says. I'm not trying to say Job did not have a lot of provocation. But there are some chinks in Job's armor. There aren't even the best men. And Elihu is able to make some positive contributions about some of the mistakes that Job made. He points to positive values in suffering. The friends, and Job even, seem to think that the only thing there is in suffering is just punishment and retribution. I think Elihu shows us that there is another angle to suffering that is not punishment and retribution. And I think that's a helpful thing. That being said, are there flaws in Elihu? Yes. For one thing, he's long-winded and repetitive. You know, good grief. It takes forever. <laughs> and I think that shows you, while he makes a positive contribution, certainly there's no human being that has all the answers. You know, and there's no human being who really can get right to the uh, you know, correct analysis or something. He, he says some helpful things. Sometimes he says it in such a way that you can't help but kind of chuckle, you know. And, and so I think it, it's pretty obvious that he's got some, you know, some kind of 
weaknesses, and, 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 and you wouldn't expect anybody other than God to know the full answer. So I think Elihu's in there to give a buffer before God and to give a positive contribution. That's my introduction to Elihu. Do you have some thoughts and comments? You can read in commentaries and listen to sermons. You will get both sides of Elihu. People either think he's great, they think he's terrible, or some people are in the middle on that. But you can definitely read people on both sides of that question. And I've come, I was more negative about Elihu years ago, but I've come to think that he's more positive as I've gone on. So you can come to your own conclusion as we study it. All right, 32, 1 to 5. And these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But the anger of Elihu, the son of Bereshel, the Buzite of the family of Ram, burned. Against Job his, answer, his anger burned because he justified himself before God. And his anger burned against his three friends because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were years older than he. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of the three men, his anger burned. So... The three men have stopped. We figured that out already. They didn't have anything else to say. Um, and you've got Elihu. What do you learn about Elihu in this section? Angry. He's angry. He is angry. Did you get that point? <laughs> it says it about four times in five verses. He is not a happy camper. Uh, and we'll talk about why here in a moment. Um, what else do you know about Elihu? Pretty patient. He has waited. Why? A long time. He has, and that's a truth. Wow. He's younger. He's younger. He does not feel like he has the right to speak, so he's an angry young man. What else do you learn about him? His heritage. And does that tell you anything? Nope. Does it tell anybody else anything? Nope. It told, it, it told the writer of this note that he was a descendant of Buzz, the nephew of Abraham. That is a possibility. Buzz and Ram were relatives of Abraham. So it makes you think he might have been of, uh, you know, at least related to the Jews. Uh, of course, it could have been a different Ram and Buzz. This the, potentially the Uz Buzz? Uh, yeah, you've got that back in Genesis. Uh, 2220, uh, Milcah has borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz his firstborn, and Buzz his brother, and Kemuel <laughs> the father of Aram, and Kesed, and Hazo, and Pildash, and Jildaf, and Bethuel. So, yeah. All right, other, uh, let's see. Um, Did that lead you to think this was closer to Abraham? I think it's close to Abraham's day anyway. I think that's a good place to put this, is Abraham more or less. Uh, I don't, I, you know, just the fact that uh, Job lives for 140 years, or 210, however you look at that, uh, still would indicate, you know, we're not dealing with pre-Noah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, did anybody live that short back then? You know, and even right after Noah, they still lived a good while. You know, it came, it came down pretty quick, 
But Abraham died when he was... 175. 175. Isaac when he was... 180. Jacob when he was... 147. And Joseph when he was... 110. That's when we were starting to get down in this range. So. Outside of the book of Genesis, Job and only maybe four or five more lived more than 100 years. So I would say he's in Genesis, but not in the first chapters of Genesis in terms of chronology. Anything else about uh, this? All right, 6 to 22. So when I hear the son of Barakel, the Buzzite, spoke out and said, <clears throat> I am young in years and you are old, therefore I was shy and afraid to tell you what I think. I thought age should speak, and increased years should teach wisdom. But it is a spirit in man, and the breath of all, the Almighty gives him understanding. The abundant in years may not be wise, nor may elders understand justice. So I say, listen to me, I too will tell you what I think. Behold, I waited for your words, I listened to your reasonings, while you pondered what to say. I even paid close attention to you. Indeed, there was no one who refuted Job, not one of you who answered his words. Do you not say, we have found wisdom, God will rout him, not God will rout him, not man. For he has not arranged his words against me, nor will I reply to him with your arguments. They are dismayed, they answer no more. Words have failed them. And shall I wait because they do not speak, because they stop and answer no more? I too will answer my share. I also will tell my opinion, for I am full of words. The spirit within me restrains me. Behold, my belly is like unvented wine, like new wineskins, it is about to burst. <laughs> Let me speak, that I may get relief. <laughs> Let me open my lips and answer. Let me, let me now be partial to no one, nor flatter any man, for I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. Well, and he's really not done telling us that he's about to talk yet. Um, so, he uh, asked Job to listen, um, and he's, uh, he's defending his speaking because he is young, but he's waited for the older men, and, well, I mean, it's not like older men have a monopoly on wisdom. I mean, God can give his spirit to enlighten anybody regardless of how old they are or how much experience they have, which is true. I mean, would you all say that old people are always wiser? Well, of course not. You've got uh, plenty of examples in the Bible of older men who are not. You think about Jesus. Who was he in conflict with all the time? The elders. <laughs> you know, he was young. So, I mean, it's true that you just can't say old means wise. And uh, you do appreciate the fact he gave place to them. You know, they should be the first ones to speak. I think that's appropriate. Um, but he's saying, you know, God can enlighten anybody, you know, regardless of their age. And, uh, you know, so... I want you to listen to me, uh, and he wants that because they haven't, they have not answered Job. That really bothers him that they have not really been able to to refute what Job says. Elihu feel like Job needs to be answered. That he said some things that he needs to be responded to, and Job needs to repent about some things. But he doesn't think the friends have done anything toward really convincing Job or really leading him on the right track. What did the friends end up essentially saying in verse 13? 
God will take care of it. God will tell him. Well, he says, that's a cop-out. You know, so you just say, well, God knows what you did. You know, he says that uh, that's not that's not wise. That's just that's just deferring the whole responsibility. Notice verse 14. He's not arranged his words against me, nor will I reply to him with your arguments. He's saying my position's not the same. Job has not heard my arguments yet. So what he said in answer to the friends doesn't work for what I'm saying. He's he's staking out what he believes at least to be a different and independent position. Um so it's like, well, should I not speak because they aren't speaking? I've got something to say. And uh, no truer words were ever spoken than verse 18, for I am full of words. Uh, he didn't really have to tell us that. We probably already figured that out. Um, and uh, you just have to appreciate verse 19 and 20. <laughs> you know, he was, he was about to burst. And so he uncorked himself and let the words just kind of gush out. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> So, I guess if you've been quiet this long, you just can't contain yourself any longer. Uh, probably doesn't help his, uh, you know, respect that he goes into this. Haven't you seen people like this, though? You know, that they don't seem like they can say anything without warning you and advising you and informing you and whatever that they're talking throughout <laughs> such a long period of time that by the time they finally get around to saying something you've lost they've lost your attention yeah the only thing that he didn't say that he needs to hear is uh the phrase to make a long story short <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he'd be your ideal the epitome of what you're just describing you're exactly right <laughs> no one i've never heard anyone use that phrase in which they didn't <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> Yeah, but they say that they're not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To make a short story long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a classic one for that. Uh, someone has said this stage was no place for the timid, and timid he was not. So he he's got to talk. He's not going to be partial. He's not going to flatter. He's going to tell it like it is, boys and girls. So uh, he. Uh, you, you'd, you'd like to hear him actually say something. He will eventually, but he's not there yet. <laughs> Comments and questions? Verse, verse 18 is almost his version of that. <coughs> the spirit within me yeah. constrains me. <laughs> I assume he's talking about before he started speaking and not, and not the fact that he's really not saying everything that he wanted to. I hope not. To make a long story short, the spirit is constrained. They can only get out so many words a minute, so... <laughs> You know who he reminds me of a little bit in the Bible? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to put this in real life. But... Remember that character in 1 Kings 18, that Obadiah, when Elijah came up to him and said, go tell Ahab that I'm here. He just goes into, you know, hysterics about, well, the spirit will take you away and then I'll be killed. And he just says that about three times. You just imagine him. That's kind of Elihu only. Elihu has a lot more words to say that. Uh, so it is. I think it's intended to be a little comical. I think I do think we're intended not to give Elihu some kind of superhuman credit. He's not inspired by God. This is not like the epitome of wisdom. Uh, obviously not, or he wouldn't have talked like this. Although, uh, you know, even some people who have a lot to say that's irrelevant sometimes say some things that are worthwhile. I think Elihu will. We're going to have to get through some stuff to get to it. <laughs> Comments and questions? Well, I thought verse 18 meant that his spirit was like 
compelling him to speak, yeah. not holding him back yeah. from saying things. Maybe. <coughs> I, don't, I might be able to take it either way. Has Job been here like the whole time with the friends and with the seven days of silence? And has because he hasn't been mentioned. You like you mean you mean yeah. yeah sorry, I, I'm assuming. I mean, doesn't really mm -hmm. say, but I mean he's heard him, so I'm guessing he's been there the whole time. Who knows who else may have been in the audience? <laughs> well, he talks about how some of the other people are treating him, so there may be some other interactions going on at different times. I don't know how long a period of time we're even looking at. Months, at least, but could be longer than that. And he does sim some similar things, making some of the claims, you know, there's, there's no way I could flatter or the maker would just take me away. You know, where do you get that? It's like, well, it'd be impossible for me to, to do that, otherwise the lightning would strike. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the, what the other three were doing, making claims like that. Yes, and he does. I don't think any of them get totally away from that. He comes closer, but you're right. He does show from time to time somewhat of a retribution idea. In some ways, there's some truth to that, but, but I would agree that's probably a too strong a statement. Even even in some of his statements about them, or he he sounds similar in the real generality thing, and you know the catch-all phrases. You haven't answered any of his questions, right, you know that type right, of thing. Right. Yeah, a kind of exaggerating or going yeah. to an extreme. Yeah. He's probably so frustrated that he's more extreme than he might. Otherwise. Maybe. And don't people in an argument do that? Yeah. It is amazing. You know, how we can get, you never, yeah. you always, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It isn't true at all. But boy, those more the other guy argues, the more extreme you get. People do that in all kinds of debates and discussions. It's, it's really stupid if you listen to it as an outside observer. But we've probably all been involved in it somewhere along the line. All right, well, how about 33 verses 1 to 7? 